0: Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on the We Thrive podcast, where I have the joy of interviewing entrepreneurs from around the world about how they're creating an impactful legacy. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Tara Scott, who is the chief medical officer and founder of Revitalized Medical Group. So thank you so much for joining us today.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So like you said, I'm I'm a physician. I've been called the hormone guru. I find out the why behind your symptoms so we can restore balance and get you living in harmony with your hormones. So I got my start as an OB-GYN, did everything traditionally, did a lot of deliveries, surgeries, you know, loved that. Um, but there was kind of a big disconnect, uh, you know, 20 years ago as to what was, offered to women for hormone therapy and when they had hormone issues. Then myself going through infertility, needing fertility medications to get ever get pregnant. Um, that is a good and a bad. It helped me get pregnant, but it whacked out my hormones. So it just led me to study more about it until I did my fellowship in functional medicine and got a third board certification in integrative medicine and opened my practice in 2013 and we serve, you know, mostly women. I mean, that's kind of our niche. We see everything, but most of our patients are women with hormone issues.
0: I love it. I love it. As I've mentioned before, I have a soft spot for hormone issues. So, um, I'm sure we could talk all day about that. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So as you know, the name of our podcast is called We Thrive. So when you hear the word thrive, what comes to mind for you?
1: So I have had several um, times of adversity in my life, um, which, you know, it shapes you, it makes you where you are today. I mean, I wasn't an an eight on the ACE, but I was a three. So, you know, childhood wasn't easy. Um, My parents were immigrants. And so, I mean, I think it was a lot of cultural issues. So they actually moved out of the country when I was 20 and I was in medical school and we had no relatives here. So I was kind of left to thrive on my own getting through residency. So a lot of it is kind of like, you know, raised to kind of just pull up your bootstraps, like I said, and keep going, just keep going. And so I think through all of the things that have happened, thriving has been kind of the goal.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the biggest obstacles that you have faced personally, um, that just kind of stick out in your mind when you think of trying to thrive.
1: So, uh, like I mentioned, the infertility was my was the big one. You know, I suffered with endometriosis, had several surgeries, and all I ever wanted to do was be a mom. And I don't know if it was to kind of make up for you know what how I thought it should be done. Um, so that was a struggle, and that was uh, you know a long period of time. Thankfully, through modern fertility drugs, I was able to get three kids. The twin pregnancy was not easy. I was at bed rest for 14 weeks and and all that. So all of that, I think, were obstacles. The next obstacle that I had is my brother suddenly passed away when he was 38. He had a heart attack. But see, he had every risk factor. He was a diabetic. He smoked. He had high cholesterol. He was on a statin and to me it was so preventable so that was the first thing that kind of let me focus on there's got to be a better way to do things and focus on prevention and wellness and start studying functional medicine but probably my biggest obstacle has just been a couple years ago in July of 2019 my family was in a small plane crash four of us were in the plane. My husband was flying. Um, my Two of my kids and myself, we were going to pick up my other daughter who was doing a college program at Brown University. Mm-hmm. And inexplicably, we don't know what happened. We ran out of gas, had to make an emergency landing, and we literally ran out of gas a mile short of the runway. My husband had a very serious brain injury, was airlifted to a trauma center an hour away, and the three of us were at different hospitals as a trauma team. But the most seriously injured was my then 20 year old daughter who had a spinal cord injury and she went into a a surgery, was in surgery all night and they came out and told us she would never walk again. So she has a very serious spinal cord injury and is in a wheelchair now. So that was about 18 months ago and that has been a huge obstacle. So I then, you know, my husband was in a coma for a week and so I had to manage you know, being the caregiver for two critically ill people, managing my business back at home, and parenting my twins that were seniors during that year to try to make life somewhat normal for them. Wow. So that has been the biggest thing that I've had to overcome.
0: Wow. My, my whole chest is just like sunk, like Just the way that you talk about it so fluidly, like, I just, I can't imagine, you know, all that you've gone through in the past 18 months, but it seems like you've really been able to just process and deal with everything
1: whether I processed or I still am stuffing it yet remains to be seen. I mean, you, okay. you know, as a child, uh, childhood trauma, you know, your survival, my survival technique is to stuff everything and keep going, which served me well when I had to do an emergency C-section or when I had to hop out of the emergency exit of the plane and flag down the helicopter flying over over because they couldn't find us. So it serves you well, but it doesn't serve you to process and feel those emotions. So that I'm still working through, to awesome. be honest.
0: Yeah, I love the transparency, though. You're you're absolutely right. And it's interesting, because, you know, as we go through these different adversities throughout life, no matter if it's, you know, as a child or an adult, when we go into that fight or flight, to me, it's amazing how our bodies and our brains just, they're, it's like, we're going through this no matter what, we're handling it. And I mean, I've, I've always been so grateful for the ability that we have to do that.
1: Yeah. And like I said, that I'm, I've am i been asked to give a TEDx talk this fall. And so that's kind of the subject of that exact thing is what happens to your body and stress chemically. Mm-hmm. And also what tools helped me with resilience and what what tools that I had set up in my integrative training, you know, a couple of years ago that I didn't know would serve me in this, this kind of crisis. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I mean, we all have our coping mechanisms and you are what you are today because you are thriving and, you know, that has led you to go on and do this podcast and share what you've learned with everybody as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to listen to your Ted talk. I was telling my team about it and they were all so excited because we just, We love working with like health and wellness clients. And so when we're reading about you, we're just like getting all giddy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm so disappointed it was supposed to be next month or April. But, you know, because of COVID, and I'm glad they decided we don't want to do a virtual. They want to do a live event. So it's postponed in the fall and there's no date yet. So let's just hope that everything kind of opens up.
0: Yeah, it will. It will. confident. Awesome. So obviously, you've had many, many obstacles. And like you said, whether you you process those or not is yet to be determined. But what are some of the resources that you've used to get through the difficult times in life?
1: So I think, um, you know, I I've got some amazing sisters and they, you know, that they, knowing that they've got my back. And then, you know, after the accident, I've got my mom squad of five of us that did med school together. They all took turns coming in to help. So, you know, your community, your people, that's the big resource that everybody needs is I'm somebody that always wants to be the person helping. So it was really uncomfortable for me to accept help from people, you know, within, because the accident happened, and out of state, I had to live out of state for two months. And so there was a meal train that was set up for my other two kids back at home. And, you know, within an hour, it was filled up for months. And it, it's just overwhelming the community that we have. But that's the big thing. You cannot do things alone. And the power of community is it. Going forward, the community that I had access to in integrative and functional medicine has been key for us in this situation. You know, I've been a patient before but it was in my wheelhouse. It was OB. You know, I've had babies. I had infertility. I understood that. I don't know anything about spinal cord injury or brain injury or anything. So it was a foreign thing for me and really what was amazing was how does anybody if they're not a doctor or a healthcare provider navigate a health crisis? Because I I I couldn't believe it. So my team, like the connections that I had made in my integrative circles had led us to find certain integrative therapies for my daughter, Josie. And, you know, she's already recovered more than they said she ever would. I mean, what they, what we were told is get used to your wheelchair, here you are, let's get you strong again. That was not okay with me and that was not okay with her. You know, she's never gonna return back to her pre-accident condition. She was in musical theater, she had run half marathon, she was a dancer but she's going to thrive also. And it's going to be because we pushed for, we are pushing, it's still going on for the best possible outcome. It's not going to be just to settle. So I've been fortunate that, like I said, I can pick up the phone and call a doctor at Mayo Clinic and they'll talk to me. I mean, it's not fair, it's almost not fair, but that's been the tools that have helped me in this particular um, you know, obstacle.
0: Yeah. That's awesome that you have that available. Um, About three years ago, my dad actually had a massive stroke when he was staying with me, broke his leg and then had a stroke and we had no idea. And uh, I mean, he spent a month in the hospital and while I didn't have those resources, it's amazing how we just, we seek and find you know, and when we're determined, we make things happen. And I think that's remarkable. It sounds like your daughter has seen how you have, you know, reacted to things and kind of adopted the same mindset. So I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that that's a hard thing. You know, so many things about parenting are hard, you know, and I remember in those early days, uh, you know, she's very stoic, and she never once complained. I mean, she had horrific injury that was just, you know, awful and a big surgery and a lot of problems after the surgery. Mm -hmm. And she continues to just be grateful for being alive and making lemonade out of lemons. So I like to think that I could take credit for a small portion of that by in those early days when I looked at her and said, this is not where you're going to end up. And then I had the opportunity to talk, get on a call with JJ Virgin, whose son was in a hit and run accident and had a bad brain injury. And she told me, we decided when the accident happened, we're going to make it the best thing that ever happened to us. Not the accident, not the aftermath, but after we're going to make it change us for the better. So she reminded me of that. I said that I had forgotten that I said that to her in the early days and that she decided I'm not going to be the plane crash girl, you know? And so I have to remind myself cuz you know it's hard I still sink into the self pity and the, yeah. the the times of that kind of thing but I think about you you have to take it and have gratitude for being alive they ha- there uh, marat- strangely there were a lot of plane crashes at that particular airport I don't know why there was one 2 weeks later that they didn't survive oh, so wow. we're thankful cuz they were surprised that they were able to pull four you know live people you know out so yeah being thankful of being here and just practicing with a level of gratitude and trying to see the positive positive in everything.
0: Yeah. Wow. Very, very touching that. That's amazing. So are there any particular experiences that kind of stand out to you aside from you being told, like, we're going to make this, you know, the greatest thing that has happened? Is there anything that stands out where you're like, wow, that was a turning point in my life to help me thrive?
1: Um, for me, it's been um, coming to faith. And so I wasn't raised with any kind of really faith. And so it was really later in life. And so for me, um, that made a difference. I mean, whether whether your faith is in, you know, whatever your faith is, you have to have a faith in something, that there is some greater power and there is some reason for everything. And I think it was Steve Jobs that said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back, right? So I don't know why we had to go through what we had to go through. You know, I don't know why. I haven't been able to make sense of it. I know why I had to go through the infertility to be able to do what I'm doing now in my practice, right? To study hormones. But I don't know why everything else happened. And so... I think that was a turning point in my life. That was, I, I had already had my kids when I just, you know, decided to, to, to focus on faith. Um, so for me, that was probably the biggest thing in my life that has helped me throughout everything.
0: Awesome, so I have to ask, were you a OB before you had the infertility issues or did that kind of prompt you to get into that field?
1: Yeah, no, I always wanted to be a doctor. I did college in two years, went straight into med school and I was a doctor at 23. And so I just, I was kind of really, really shy. So I was intimidated by male patients and I was really felt very comfortable on women. And once I did my first delivery in med school, I was hooked. So I was practicing OB for several years before I decided to try to have kids. So I went through all of that. It, infertility was not my specialty and hormones were not my specialty. I was just a ger- general OBGYN. Mm-hmm. So I had to go through that. And, and sometimes it was hard. Like if you had patients that came in that didn't want to be pregnant <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh, I just had my fifth failed cycle. And you're sitting, here complaining about this, you know, right. that was, that was hard. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did many years of traditional OBGYN before
0: Okay. So if you don't mind me asking, how did that help or even maybe hinder the process of you going through, you know, being infertile? Like, did you find that because you had an expertise in that area that it presented things a little different for you?
1: So when I actually went through the infertility, I was just general OBGYN and didn't really know what I know. And now looking back, I do think the reason I had a problem getting pregnant, I have a Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I have a a problem with my methylation which is how you get rid of estrogen. And, you know, and I had a miscarriage in between even, even that, the, the kids. So I was just a regular patient. I think I, I knew I probably had endometriosis because I had always had painful periods growing up um, and then studying about it as, as a resident, I'm like, I probably have this cause I have these symptoms, but I wasn't diagnosed until my infertility. So going through all that infertility, not knowing what I know now, you know, is what kind of turned me to make the decision to study hormones more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's, it's fascinating to me how a lot of times like our own experiences just kind of, it either keeps drawing us to something and we can't get away from it or it's like, okay, I have to do this. Like, this is clear that it's my purpose. So, um, I just wanted to dig a little deeper into that.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So being, you know, in a traditional OB before and working with hormones now. I think it's really fascinating to um, just talk with you about legacy. I think it'll be great to kind of dig into that. So talk to me a little bit more about what legacy means to you. I mean, I can only imagine given what you've been through.
1: Right. Well, a couple things. So professionally, um, what I have started, so I I opened my functional medicine practice in 2013 before the Cleveland Clinic. I'm 40 minutes south of Cleveland Clinic. So Cleveland Clinic opened their functional medicine center a year later, right? And they have, you know, big names like Mark Hyman there and everything. So they don't do hormones. We put peacefully coexist together. They refer me people, I refer them people. But it was really um, um, hard to, as a doctor, pivot and learn about running a business. We don't know anything about that. I don't know about sales and marketing. Luckily, I knew about public speaking in high school. So uh, that always helped me promote my business. But um, I think for me, legacy is a couple things. One, right now, I'm, I'm an empty nester. My kids are all in college. So I mean, I'm in the position that I really could just retire, thankfully, but why I've built this business for seven years, eight year, almost eight years, I need to make it sustainable. So we've built our business and our brand, we were the first, uh, you know, functional medicine uh, practice in Northeast Ohio. Now we're still really the person who's the go to expert for hormones. So I've got a couple practitioners that I'm kind of training under me. Um, I'd love to make the practice sustainable, I would I don't want to just retire one day and have it all go away. I mean, I've worked way too hard to get this brand and practice sustainable. So that would be a successful legacy professionally. And also, uh, you know, for the last 10 years, I've also been involved in teaching and mentoring other doctors how to do this kind of thing. So I'm hoping that's creating a legacy just that women don't have to search so hard to get someone to work with them, that there are more and more people who, who can call this their specialty. Yeah. And as far as, um, my kids go, I think, um, you know, my, the legacy would be for them to have happy marriages. I would love for them to have a strong faith to, to have, be a part of their life. You know, that's their, that's their journey. Um, you know, I, I want them start worrying about like, Oh, who are they going to marry? And like, is that going to be okay? And so legacy, I think they are all going to be super successful. I think they all have great hearts. Um, I think you know this has been a trauma for all of them. They've all gone. They're all going to shape it into who they're who they are. I've seen my son just grow up and really step up and man up when he had to, especially when my husband was not recovered. Um, so I would just love to have them be happy, be productive, live a life of service and give back, and just you know try to be philanthropic like we always try to be and support their causes that they believe in and just also be of service to their family. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love how you broke it down, you know, personally and professionally. I feel like in just my conversation, so many people get overwhelmed just by the thought of legacy, you know, cause it is, it's a lot to think about like how you're making an impact, but um, just, you know, from a little bit, I know about you, it sounds like you really are making an impact. So I love that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where I was in some kind of, you know, program or something when you had to think about like, what would you want people to say about you at your obituary? Mm -hmm. I really want people to say, um, you know, that I was kind, that I helped them, that I touched them. And honestly, like when I got in uh, in the plane crash, it was on the news here and nobody knew what condition anybody was in, right? Because we kept everything very, very quiet until my daughter could understand her prognosis. And my husband was didn't know anything, right? So we had to keep it all very quiet. We didn't want it on social media. So people here, I didn't realize, they didn't know what condition I was in. And people were posting that, you know, they were crying when, am patients that were crying when they heard about it and everything, it was like really, really moving. So I hope that I have been of service to people and that they could remember kindness and that I was helping them and of service to them. And that would be, you know, something that I would hope that people would say at my funeral. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: So you mentioned that, you know, you didn't know anything about business and you had to learn that. So if you could give one nugget to someone who is trying to get into business, you know, whether they're a doctor or not, what would that nugget be?
1: Well, um, I guess I'll address that question first specifically for a doctor wanting to do what I do. So like I said, we're not taught about anything. And so getting, opening the practice, I didn't open it as a small micro practice with a low overhead, right? It was like open with let's hire five people to do what we do before we even had the patient base, right? And so um, there were a lot of mistakes that were done there. And so your social media is important. You know, your connections are important. Um, the the way you run the business as far as a micro practice is important. So that would be some advice that I would have for people who would be doing that. I mean, as far as mistakes to make. And I think anybody know what matter what you do. I mean, I, I would like glaze over when I heard about business. I think because <laughs> when my dad left the day before they were leaving to move to India and I was in medical school stressed out again because there was gonna be no but no family here he was like, you got to remember I had the power of attorney. You got to remember to pay the real estate taxes, this, this. And I was like, that was before online banking. That was before anything. And I was working, you know, in, in med school and it just, I think it traumatized me because anytime I would hear anything about, cause I had to do all the finances. I had a younger daughter, do- a younger sister who was in college. I had to pay her t- t- tuition and do all that at age 20, you know, oh, and wow. so run my family's kind of, like, whatever had to be taken care of, I was the person who was still in our hometown. So, I think I got traumatized by that. And I just didn't want to listen to anything about business after that. So, I think no matter what you're in, more and more people are self employed or entrepreneurish, you know, especially now that people are pivoting to be at home or recreating themselves. So, any industry really needs to know about marketing and sales and, you know, and um, your business.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it can be overwhelming. It definitely can, but you know, just one foot in front of the other. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It's definitely a process. Awesome. Well, are there any other nuggets that you'd like to share or just anything that you haven't mentioned that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, really just, I, I know you're, you have all kinds of people listening to your podcast because you're a business consultant, but you're also in, in the health arena. I think the important thing is, you know really to advocate for yourself and like you said seek out the answers you know seek out i know webmd can be good and bad to us you know but i've always <laughs> welcomed everybody's questions when people came in and did an internet search it never offended me as a doctor i always tried to meet people where they are but some people some doctors do get offended when you try to ask questions so um, you know having like a medical interpreter, if you're going through something or finding somebody who has some medical knowledge who can help you either physically in the appointments or behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there, there are things that you can push for and ask for. And one of them definitely is to be heard and to be understood and to have your goals, right? If your goals are to feel this way, but you're, you're not feeling great. And the doctor says, you're all fine. Everything's in the normal limits. I don't know what your problem is. Your goals are your goals. So I think that's like the biggest thing. And it's, it's probably not as much of a problem for your generation. And at my generation and older, they think they couldn't question the doctor at all. And they probably wouldn't say anything. I mean, the younger generations are more about like asking, pushing the envelope and, and asking these questions, which is good. I'm not offended by it.
0: That's awesome. I love that though so well thank you again for being on the podcast. It has been great hearing about your story and all of the great tips that you have. Um, I really really appreciate it and how can people connect with you?
1: So on um, social media I revitalized med on Facebook and Instagram. I do have a YouTube channel with lots of free information. It's Tara Scott MD. And um, we do have a free webinar up on our website that you can learn about a functional approach to um, uh, integrative and uh, functional for gynecological health. That's free on our website. And we just launched last year an online academy where we have an online course where you can kind of DIY, like try to see what's wrong with you and go through that course. And there's also some free things on there. There's a free side that I've got free lectures that are on there just for you to watch and, and learn. I mean, I'm passionate about Uh, educating and empowering um, the, you know, patients just to uh, seek their best health.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely be sharing those resources and checking them out myself. I'm very fascinated with the whole warming thing. So yeah, looking forward to that. So I'd also like to thank our uh, music sponsor, Stephen Lamar Moore, who produced the music for our podcast. And thank you so much again, Tara. It has been a pleasure.
1: And thank you for what you and your team do. I know it's a lot of work to do a podcast. And so I really appreciate your time and allowing me the opportunity to speak. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.